Welcome to the Legacy Church Rome podcast. We're grateful you're tuning in today. For more information, visit our website, LegacyRome.com. We hope today's message empowers and encourages you. Last week, I started this series called The Sacred Season, and it is a series where we are making a declaration at the beginning of this year that God will be our priority. Amen? We're making a declaration that we will not give God our leftovers this year, but he will get our priority. Amen? This is a time when we are dedicating this year to the Lord. We are taking a moment and we are setting priorities and we're saying, Lord, this year is yours. It's a time of defining our pursuits. And the first fruits feast, as I started talking about last week, is an actual feast in the Bible. And it was a time that they would give their first fruits to the Lord. They were acknowledging that they knew that all of this year's harvest was coming from the Lord. They were taking a moment and they were acknowledging God We're not going to be able to make it without you. They were taking a moment and saying, thank you, Lord. We've not even seen that harvest yet, God, but we are believing for it. It was a time of celebration. It was a time of giving. And in Matthew 6, 33, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. Take note that it, that it does not say seek things first. Amen. It does not say seek blessings. It does not say seek opinions, but it says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when I get my pursuit in order, all of these other things will be added. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse one says, and it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. Write down Ezekiel 44 verse 30, or you can turn there. Ezekiel 44 verse 30 says, the best of all the first fruits of my kind, of any kind, and every sacrifice of any kind from all of your sacrifices shall be brought to the priest and you shall give to the priest the first of your ground meal to cause a blessing to rest on your house, to cause a blessing to rest on your house. Come on this morning, I want you to say my house. Come on, say it again, my house. Whose house will the blessing rest upon? My house. There is something about putting God first that causes heaven to rest on that thing. There is something about putting God first where God's hand rests upon you. And I am praying and believing that as you pray, that as you sow, that as you give, as you serve this year, that blessings will not visit your house. But I pray that blessings rest on your house. 
I pray that as you seek him, as you dedicate this year to the Lord, I pray that heaven doesn't come and visit you. No, I am praying that heaven comes and rests on you and your family and your house and your children. Come on, is there anybody in the room that can come into agreement with me this morning? Come on, right where you are, pray with me. Lord, I thank you so much for your presence and for your spirit today. God, I just pray, Lord, that right now, oh God, that our hearts and our ears would be in tune with you. God, I pray that as this word goes forth, Lord, that it's falling on the hearts and souls of men and women and students who are ready to receive it. God, I pray that today that this, this word is watered with with, with worship, it's, it's, it's watered with the sowing. It's watered today with our faith in you. And I'm declaring that this word will not return void, but it shall come back full of harvest today in the hearts and souls of people who are ready to receive it. I give you all the glory and all the praise. Touch me today, oh God. It's in your name. The church said amen. 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 In the Bible, Jesus is speaking and he says that I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He said, I'm going to give you the keys to do this. These keys are not like physical keys, but these keys are biblical principles that we see throughout scripture that have the power to unlock supernatural doors. And we've talked about how this year, 2024, on the Hebrew calendar is the year of the door. And if you know anything about doors, you don't have to be smart, but you know that doors can open. You know that doors can close. You know that you knock on doors. You know that doors can be locked. But in the spirit, there is more than just singing and shouting and dancing and declaring to get a door open. Amen? But it is all about using the keys, the principles that are given to us throughout the word. And when we use this word of God, we are aligning our lives up with the authority and the, uh, and the, and the legality that he has given to us to speak his word. So the children of Israel feel that every year as they pursue God first, it releases supernatural on their life. There is a supernatural increase. They feel that when they offer, they've seen it, they've proven it. And the first thing I want you to get in your notes this morning is that first fruits is a supernatural invitation. It's a supernatural invitation. First fruits is an invitation from God into a relationship that puts a demand on this year that it will supernaturally line up with God's will for your life. And I want you to get this because you will not win this year. You will not be victorious this year by accident. You do not win games by accident. You may win a game by luck, but you do not get to the championship by accident. But it takes time, it takes dedication, it takes principles. And this year, you will not win by accident. You will not be victorious by accident, but you will win this year by accepting 
this supernatural invitation to be like the Lord. And I want you to get this because whenever you were born, we know that we were born into sin. We were born into sin because the world around us is sin. We were born into sin because your mother is not perfect. Your daddy is not perfect. You were born into sin. And now every human being has a sinful desire on the inside of them. So if you this morning have ever dealt with that, or maybe you wrestled with it today, guess what? It is proof that you are human because at some point in our life, we are all tempted by something. There is something in our lives that is trying to pull us out of the image of God. This is why we must be born again. So whatever sin and mess that I was born in, whatever sin and mess that I was born with, I have to be born again. The, the, the old song, it's not an old song, but it says, I can't have it. I was born this way. Guess what, Lady Gaga? That's why you need to be born again. Even if you were born that way, you got to be born again. Can I get an amen? And because I was born of the flesh, I have a desire to sin. But when I get born through the spirit, my desire to sin lessens as I become more like Jesus. It's the, it's the, it's the sanctification. Why? Because you cannot buy your way into a kingdom. You cannot join your way into a kingdom. But to get the benefit of the kingdom, you must be born into a kingdom. And this happens when you pursue God first. And as you pursue God first, the things that used to tempt you will no longer have a hold on you. The things that used to bring you down will no longer be able to bring you down. When you pursue God and you put him first, the things that used to pull you into the ditch will no longer pull you into that ditch. Why? Because you are pursuing the Lord. I just preached a series on this very thing as we know that Adam was created in the image of God. God blessed him because he was created in his very image. He did not bless him because he was Adam, but he blessed him because he was upholding his image. Get this. God did not give Adam authority, but he gave his image authority. Why? Because he was upholding the law. He was looking like the Lord. And as long as Adam stayed in God's image, he could facilitate the supernatural. As long as he stayed in God's image, he could, he could maintain the place where God's presence dwelled. As long as he stayed in God's image, as long as he put the pursuit of God first, he could stay in a supernatural atmosphere. Get this, God's original idea was not religion birthed from comfort. But God's original idea was an image birthed from pursuit. God never wanted you to get in a religion that made you comfortable. But God wants you to be in pursuit of his image today. It was, this is what the first fruit is all about. First fruit is becoming more like the Lord. It is looking more like the Lord. It is becoming, well, it's becoming more of the Lord. Seek first is not getting Seek first is becoming. And so often, when a pastor, preacher, whoever starts talking about giving, 
all of these negative emotions start coming to those, a lot of people in the church. Because so many, so often, in late 80s, early 90s, there was this prosperity movement. And you may have been in one of those places. And it's not necessarily wrong, but they would ask you to get your tithe and your offering in your hand. And then you would quote, checks are in the mail, doors are opening, new jobs are coming. But listen, we do not give because of those things. We give because we are in covenant with the Lord. And the Lord has blessed us, so we give him his portion. And then he will add checks in the mail, doors opening. But so often people get mad because they're giving to get the blessing. But seeking first, first fruits is not about getting. It is about becoming more like the Lord. It's about becoming more like the image of God. And in Matthew 22, there is a parable of a wedding. The king had a son. And the son was getting married. So they send out the invites. Because there was a harvest that was ready for those who would come. But guess what? No one responded. No one RSVP'd. No one texts the king back. You know what it's like trying to get people to RSVP these days? Are you one of those people? No one seemed to care. No one paid any attention to the invite. The bride would not even come. And this parable is about God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. And all of a sudden you see the king sending out the servants to go out and get people to come into the wedding feast, to come into this celebration. And a man walked into the wedding off the streets and the king asked him, where are your wedding garments? You're not dressed like you're going to a wedding. You don't, you don't look like you're supposed to be here. And the king told the servant to cast him away where there will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. The person could not partake in the harvest. The person could not partake in what the king had for them because they did not have on the right garments. They did not have the right image. This is why Paul tells the church to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put him on every day. He is reminding you to stay in the image of God. And if you want to experience the supernatural this year, if you want to experience everything that God has for you this year, you've got to stay under the image of God. And when you come into the feast and if you are in the right image and you are in the right way, everything that the Father has prepared for you, he will release to you the image of God. Get this, God doesn't bless you because you come to church. A lot of pastors won't tell you that. But you can come to church every day and not get blessed. <clears throat> he don't bless you because you come to church. But God blesses you because you are under his image. He blesses you because you are operating in his image. And that's the number one thing to write in your notes today is that seek first is an invitation to the super. It's an invitation to be more like him. Number two, seeking God first is an invitation to supernatural fruit. I want you to be reminded that during the first fruits feast, they were operating on the Hebrew calendar. 
their calendar literally existed around agriculture because every year their economy was based on their agriculture and what they grew that year, the harvest. Now we, right now, we are on a Gregorian fiscal calendar. So while they bring agricultural gifts during the first fruits, that is why we bring fiscal gifts as first fruits. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth and when, and with the first fruits, all of your increase. Deuteronomy chapter eight through uh, eight verses eight through nine, write it down. These fruits are given to them because of their obedience. And all of these point is a point of contact points back to the Lord. You need to get these in your notes. Deuteronomy eight verse eight says a land of wheat and barley. He gives them vines, grapes, fig trees, and pomegranates. A land of olive oil and honey. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. So as you are pursuing God this year, as you mature in Christ this year, this is what God said, I'm going to give to you. As you give me your first, this is what I'm going to give for you. And if you don't know what you need to be believing for this year, you need to get these things down. Because each thing listed here is a point of contact. It's pointing back to the Lord. First thing was wheat and barley. It was known as the wave sheaf offering. The wave and the barley were the only crops that were ripe at the time. And they would literally go in and take a sheave of grain and they would literally hold it up and begin to wave it and praise and thanksgiving as a first fruit offering. They were thanking God for his goodness. They were thanking him for the harvest that they could see and the harvest that they could not see yet. They would also go and they would take two loaves of bread and begin to wave them. Can you imagine seeing someone standing out in the field waving two loaves of bread? You would think that they're a little goofy. Here they were. They would get the first loaf. The first loaf was considered their tithe. And they were stating, God, you've been so good to me. God, you've been so good to my family. And then they would get the second loaf and begin to wave it. This was, this was considered their offering. The first was their tithe. The second was their offering. And they would raise it up. And as they were waving it, the, the first they were saying, God, you've been good to me. But the second they were saying, God, not only have you been good to me, but God, you've been more than enough for me. God, you not only met my needs, but God, God, you have exceeded my needs. God, you have given me exceedingly and abundantly above anything that I could ask or imagine. God, number one, I want to say thank you for saving me. But then they raised up to and said, God, you've been better to me than I could ever deserve. God, you've done more for me than anybody else. The first love was, God, thank you for meeting my needs. But the second love was, thank you, God, for being better to me than I should, than I, than I could ever 
be to myself. You've done more for me than I deserve. I just cannot praise you enough. And they would have these before the Lord. I don't know about you, but that, that is that is why we lift our hands in worship today. Can anybody give God a, just, just, just at least one hand up today to say, God, you've been good to me. Is there anybody that can raise both of your hands and say, God, you've not only been good to me, God, but you've been more than enough for me. God, you opened doors when they should have closed. God, you moved the telephone pole that I should have wrapped my car around. God, you've been so good to me. Is there anybody in the house that needs both of your hands and your feet and your toes up saying, God, you've been so good to me. The bread also represents peace. So this year, with my first fruit offering, and with your first fruits, I'm declaring that God has been good, and I will walk in peace this year. Peace. Anybody need a little peace today? Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. I don't know about you, but I'm going to have peace with God this year. I said, I don't know about you, but I'm going to have peace with God this year. I'm going to have peace in my house this year. I'm going to have peace in my marriage this year. I'm going to have peace in my mind this year. I'm going to have peace on my job. Anybody with me? You acting like I'm talking to myself today. If I've got to keep preaching to myself, you're going to be here two more hours, so you better wake yourself up. I said, I'm going to have peace in my house. I'm going to have peace in my mind. I'm going to be able to sleep this year. Why? Because God is giving me some peace. Next, it was the dates and the honey. These represent sweetness and welcoming spirits. Psalms 119, 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Ephesians 5, 2 says, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and sacrifice to God, slain for you so that it became a sweet fragrance. The word sweet here means pleasing to God. So whenever I give my first fruits in prayer and giving, I am claiming the sweetness of God over my life. I am claiming the welcoming of the spirit over my life. This year, I want my life to be pleasing to God. Anybody here? This year, I want my actions to be pleasing to God. This year, I want my thoughts to be pleasing to God. This year, I want my motives to be pleasing to God. This year, I want my marriage to be pleasing to God. This year, I want my kids to be pleasing to God. I want my kids to please me. Come on, somebody. Give me a third piece of bread and I'll wait for that one. I want my kids to please the Lord. I want my pursuit to please God. Noah gets out of the ark, raining for 40 days and 40 nights. You guys lost your mind and it rained one night. School going to cancel. Can you imagine being that superintendent for 40 days and 40 nights? Mama's calling you. Granny's mad because the bus didn't run. 40 days and 40 nights. Finally, the waters begin to go down. Noah gets out of the ark. And can you believe it? Noah gets out of the ark, been trapped in there with family. 
in-laws, outlaws, leads to no laws. Whew. 40 days with animals. I ain't talking about his mother-in-law. And what does he do? If you had been locked up for 40 days, what would you do? Some of you, the first thing you do, you'd run to Starbucks. You'd run to Target. If you're crazy, you'd go to Walmart. But the first thing that this crazy God does is he gets out of the ark and he gives a first fruit sacrifice. The word said as soon as he got out, he built an altar. And, and the word says, and the Lord smelled a soothing, pleasing aroma. Then, after he gave his first fruit, it was pleasing to his nostrils, the nostrils of God. Then it said, then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Get this, your first fruits, your pursuit this year, your pursuit to please God this year has the ability to change the mind of God. That's right. That's right. Wow. In a moment, God looked and saw this man's pursuit and it shifted God's way of thinking. And God said, I will never ever curse the ground of man again. Some of you better be thinking Noah on this one because if Noah didn't do it, how many times would the earth have flooded again? But Noah's obedience and his pursuit, his first fruit offering has saved the world. Your first fruits has the ability to change the mind of God. You got to understand that this year that we are not giving money to get money. No, I'm making God a priority because in December of this year, in December the 30th, first 2024 I want God to look at me and say I am pleased with you I don't know about you but at the end of this year I don't be I don't want to be where I am I'm ascending the hill of the Lord I want God to look at me and say I'm pleased with you son and then I want to turn around to my people and say look what the Lord has done for me all I all I did first I sought the kingdom and I sought righteousness all of this stuff that you're jealous of God gave it to me Next was the pomegranate. The pomegranate is symbolic of fertility and life. Exodus 28, we read that the priest would attach pomegranates and bells on the hem of his robe for going into the presence of God. He would rotate them, a bell, pomegranate, bell, pomegranate, bell, pomegranate. Can you imagine if I walked in here with bells on and pomegranate? Y'all would have me locked up. I'd be in a cuckoo house somewhere. All around his robe, bells, pomegranate, bells, pomegranate. The Jewish customs, they eat pomegranate on the night of Rosh Hashanah. The new year is a time of sanctification Jewish customs teach that there are 613 seeds in a pomegranate. 
This also aligns that there are also 613 commands in the Torah. 613 commands in their law. So in other words, these priests were wearing the pomegranate as a sign to let you know I am a man that is walking in the word. I am walking under law. They were bearing the fruit of the word as priests should do. And like priests this year, you should be bearing fruit of the spirit also. You should be bearing the fruit of the law. But you may be saying, I'm not a priest. That's you, pastor. That's so Old Testament. Well, let me remind you. In 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, but you are a chosen generation. You, the church, you are a royal, what? Priesthood. You are to be living the life you wish your pastor. Pastor would. Preach, preacher. You are to be bearing fruit. And with everything happening in America, America needs a church that is bearing the fruit of the Spirit. America right now needs a church that is bearing the fruit of the Word. America needs a church right now that is bearing the fruit. I don't know about you, but when people look at Legacy Church, I don't want them thinking, I wonder which way they lean. Are they leaning? Did they think that's a sin? No. But when they look at Legacy, I want them to know that is a Bible-centered church. They are standing on the Word of God because we've got enough fruit loops in society. We've got enough fruity people in the world. But where are the people that are bearing the fruit of the Spirit? Where are the ch- Where's the church that's bearing the fruit of the Word? The Word says you will know them by the fruit that they bear. You want to know somebody this year? Don't go stalk them on Facebook. I know you like doing that. Don't worry about what their Instagram thinks. Just look at what fruit they're bearing and you can tell who they really are. Because when you put God first this year, I declare this is going to be a year of the fruit. Anybody agree with me? I declare this is going to be the year of the fruit. The next thing is the grape, the vine. Grapes are a symbol of joy. And if you recall in the New Testament, there was another wedding going on. This was not a parable. This was real. And the woman realized that the wine was running low. She realized that the joy was running low. And Mary looks at Jesus. And if you recall, he had not yet performed a miracle. But she looks at Jesus and tells her son to go fix the problem. You need to take note here of what is happening. Because God is using this mother. God is using this woman. God is using this parent figure to call out the assignment that God had put on his life. He is using this mother, this woman, this parent to call out the assignment on his life. And Jesus... Like a son says, it's not yet my time. Now, how many of you know when your kid tells you 
hang on, it's not time yet. You don't care. You say, get your stuff, hustle, we're going out the door. Mary, being a woman and a mother, said, no, no, no. Servants, you do everything that my son Jesus tells you to do because he don't know it yet, but he's about to turn some water into wine. And I'm declaring that this year, there are some mothers and daddies in this house. You are going to call out the calling that God put on that child, even in your mother's womb. Mary looked at him and said, no, 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 no. You are the party starter, my son. I'm telling you, you about to turn some water into, where are the parents that are not going to let their kids die this year, but you're going to raise up and look at them and say you are a child of God you will be saved you will live and not die declares the word of the Lord where are the parents at this year they said my kids will be kids with some fruit take note of the sequence of events she's such a woman notice how Mary didn't go to the wedding coordinator she didn't go to the event planner she wasn't a Karen and wanted to talk to the manager. She didn't go to the facilities director. She didn't bother. She was a good mama because she didn't bother the bride or the groom. Come on, somebody. But she went to Jesus first because she had an understanding that if I'm going to get joy back into this situation, I've got to go to Jesus first. She come to the realization there's something about Jesus. John 15, 11 says, these things that I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be what? Full. She came to the realization that if I want to be full of joy, I've got to get to Jesus first. This year you need to understand that there will be no amount of money that's going to bring you joy this year. It may make you feel good for a little bit. There's no career change that's going to bring you joy. There's no divorce that's going to bring you joy. There's no house, no new car that can bring you joy this year. There's no new followers on social media. No no retweet of yours that's going to bring you joy. There's some people, yes, you will meet this year and they will tickle your emotions and make you feel a certain way. But they will not bring you joy this year. There's only one that can bring you joy, and it's Jesus Christ. And I want to declare over you this year, 2024, my joy will come from the Lord. My joy will come from, I said my joy will come from the Lord this year. The joy of the Lord will be my strength this year. And this year, the joy of your salvation is going to be restored. Come on, tell your neighbor, last year I was stressed. That was weak. Tell your neighbor, last year I was stressed, but this year I'm getting my joy back. Come on, tell them again. Look at them in the eye. Look at me if you're online. Look at my eyes. Guess what? Last year I was stressed, but this year I'm getting my joy back. Come on, tell your other neighbor, your second choice neighbor. I know you were difficult last year. Point at them. I know you were difficult last year. 
I know how hard you were to deal with, but I want to speak it over you. Joy is coming back to you. I know how hard you were to live with, but joy is coming back to you. I know how hard it was to be your friend last year, but I stuck closer than a brother, and I want to declare joy is coming back to you this year. Where are the people, lad, that need some joy this morning? Next is the fig. I hate figs. Who in the world created fig newtons? Oh, be quiet. Maybe if it was fried or something, I don't know. Some chocolate dip or something. I'd rather chew on a pencil. First Kings 4.25 said, every man, every man dwelled in safety under his own fig tree. It was a time of battle, but God provided a fig tree for every man that was on the field. The fig is symbolic of safety through divine prosperity. Safety through divine prosperity. Prosperity. That means God provided it. He's providing shelter for you. Mark 11. Here's Jesus. And he walks up on a tree with no figs on it. It was a figless tree. And there was no fruit on it because one, it was out of season. It wasn't the right time to be producing. But for some reason, this may be one of those questions that you ask Jesus when you see him, is why would you curse it if there weren't no figs on it and it was out of season? Some people want to know that. And I believe it is if that Jesus is stating that no matter the season, Everything should be protected and producing whenever I'm in it and it is in me. And this year I want to declare over this house, there will be no null season. There will be no season this year where we are not producing a harvest. Don't tell me it's not your season, but if I'm in you and you are in me, you should be bearing fruit right now. I don't care how crazy America is. I'm in you and you are in me. You should be bearing some fruit right now. Don't blame your lack of fruit on the situation you're in. Don't blame your lack of fruit on your parents. Don't blame the lack of fruit on the president, on the economy. The calendar may tell you that it's not your season, but God is not operating in the calendar this year. And he's declaring the seasons that people put you in. I'm declaring are going to be the seasons that you produce in. It may be be a drought, but I declare I'm still going to produce fruit this year because I'm not connected to the world. I'm connected to the one who created the world and I am with him and he is with me. John 17, 12 says, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. In 2024, as we seek the kingdom, 
and we seek his righteousness, I'm declaring safety and divine protection over our homes. I'm declaring safety and divine protection over this house. God is going to protect our health this year. God is going to protect our mind this year. Anybody? God's going to protect my spirit this year. He's going to protect my sanity this year. When I feel like I'm about to lose it, I'm going to find me a fig tree to sit under and the shade of it's going to protect me. Why? Because I'm putting him first. I'm trusting in him. He's going to protect my kids this year. He's going to protect my kids when they're in my house. He's going to protect my kids when they're at school this year. Why? Because I'm putting God first. The last thing was the olive. Ben, help me out. The olive represents the oil, the anointing. Get this, anointing. You know what it means? It's not a pretty definition. It means smeared with oil. I thought that was a southern term, smeared. But it's real, y'all. To be smeared with oil. To be covered. To be empowered. Anointing means to be smeared with oil. 2 Corinthians 1.21 tells us that Christ has anointed us. Get this. If you have been saved and you are living that life and you are operating in his image and you are filled with the spirit, there is an anointing that God has smeared on your life. Amen. And as you put him first, he gives you the power to do what you've been called to do. That means in the morning, whenever you get up and you put God first, you know what he does? He smears a new level of oil on you so you can accomplish everything you need to accomplish that day. Even when I'm tired this year, I declare there's going to be fresh oil on me. Even when I get weary, I declare this year, there's going to be a fresh oil. In the middle of persecution, if I put God first, there will be fresh oil. In times of spiritual warfare, you need to rise up, put your feet on the ground, and put God first. Because there's a fresh oil that's about to come upon you. You need to get this because all of the fruit that we've talked about. All of the fruit points people to the greatest first fruit ever offered. That the greatest first fruit ever offered. God was example when he gave his first fruit, his son to the world. Get this, as you sow this year, You're not only declaring Christ over your family, but you're offering it to everyone around you. I'm closing. And I'm going to conclude. I'm going to wrap up the entire service in 10 seconds. Some of you saying, why didn't you do that to begin with? Get this. Jesus is my bread of life. He's my wheat and barley this year. Jesus is my sweet savior. 
He's my honey and my date. Jesus is my hope for righteousness. He's my pomegranate. Jesus is my source of joy. He is my grape. Jesus is my refuge of safety and prosperity. He is my fig. Jesus is my fresh anointing. He is my olive. You've got to understand that your first fruit is not about a name it and claim it gospel, but your first fruit is about getting you into a sacred season this year. It's about getting priorities in order. It's about getting closer to him. It's about becoming instead of getting. It's about dedicating this year to him and showing him that we trust him for then we want to be in the center of his will because as I give my first this year, it puts me and my house in line for something supernatural this year. I don't know about you, but I want to see some fruit this year fruit fruit of the spirit fruit of the word we're in a generation in the church where people want the gifts of the spirit but don't want to operate with the fruit of the spirit and your gifts will fall short if you don't have the fruit to give it the, nu- the, the nutrients that it needs to produce. I don't know about you, but I hope when people drive down Turner McCall, they look over and in the spirit, it's like a big fruit stand. I want people to walk in here and be like the spies and say, guess what? It wasn't just grapes. These babies were huge. I mean, these things were big. I don't know about you, but I want some fruit in this place. I want some lost people to come in here and we don't even have to sing yet, but they can already see the fruit hanging from the ceiling. They can already sense the joy that's in the air. They can already see the fruit of unity that's flowing. They don't have to hear a word from the pastor. The, 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 the band don't even have to sing, but there'll be so much spirit and so much fruit in the place that they say, I, I feel the presence of God in this place. I want to be part. I want to get my priorities in order. Is there anybody in the room when they said, you know what? I want to be like that this year. When people look at me, I don't want them to see my car. I want them to see the fruit of the Spirit. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you this Sunday at Legacy Church.